Coming up on today's episode. What do you think is your biggest assumption about the calendar that you think you take for granted? Well, I was more intimidated by the math involved because I never really understood leap years. So even if you made the assumption that it's always going to take 365.243 days to go around the sun, that may not be realistic. I'm Brian, and this is Simply Complex. In today's modern world, we are always in such a hurry. We rarely stop to think about the things that keep the gears turning. On Simply Complex, we explore the people, technologies, items, and processes that, while at one point were considered outstanding, have today become so commonplace, we take them for granted. Hey Siri, schedule an appointment with Taylor on the 14th to talk about the podcast. Okay. I set up your appointment with Taylor for January 14, 2019. Ready to schedule it? Confirm. Hey Siri, schedule an appointment on January 1st, 2038. Your appointment is scheduled on January 1st, 2038 from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Let me know if you want to make any changes. Hey, this is Brian, filling in for Taylor this week. Before the internet existed, most people looked to the calendar on your wall to figure out how many days were in a particular month. Kids were taught clever tricks to keep track of the days of the month. 30 days has September, April, June, and November. When short, February is done, all the rest have 31. Now that we have our very own personal scheduling assistant in our pockets, we don't really need to remember how the days of the month work. But I fear that this luxury might make us lose touch with how incredibly quirky our calendar is. Growing up, I didn't know why some months had 30 days, and the other had 31 days, and why February had 28. And I knew that there was a leap year in there somewhere, but I had little idea why. When Andy announced he was going to attempt to build a clock from scratch, we realized we needed to learn about how tracking time started and evolved. After some research, I discovered that in order to understand how time worked, it would also be helpful to understand the calendar. Andy helped out with a quick tutorial on how the calendar works. But first, let's find out what else he's working on. Hey, Andy. Hey. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. A new year has started, and uh, we are working on a new slate for how to make everything. Will you tell me about what's going on? Uh, yeah, so the end of every year, beginning of the year, I uh, kind of plan out everything we're doing for the next year. It's something I've learned that you kind of have to do for our type of content because uh, it is so seasonally and travel dependent. So you need to be looking at least a year ahead, figuring out what you need to grow, what you need to be traveling for, and uh, forecasting everything all at once. So um, what do we have on the slate? First up, we, we have a video we actually were trying to get out before this New Year's, but uh, got held up. That's going to be on bioplastic. Then we're moving forward with the camera project. That one got held up a little bit, ran into some technical issues with my kiln breaking again. I'm, I think I'm on my like fifth or sixth kiln now. I know we got to buy stock in that company. <laughs> yeah. So then we'll be making the camera lens and make a telephoto lens. That should be a very interesting challenge leading up to the actual film, which will be later in the year. The big thing is we can do food again. We had a TV deal last year that uh, legally prevented us from doing any food. Unfortunately, it didn't end up going anywhere. The restrictions have been lifted for us. So now we're able to do food again. And I'm going to continue my series on making candy and we're going to make some some, uh, candy hearts for Valentine's Day. Nice. We're also bringing back how to brew everything. It's been a while now since we brewed any alcohol. Our audience has gotten a bit younger, I feel, since our last <laughs> one. So let's see how well that's received. Exactly. One of the things that we're going to do with this podcast, which I'm excited about, uh, is that we are going to try to um, sync with the projects that Andy does a little bit more so that if Andy's working on a certain project, 
What we can do on the podcast is do a little bit more exploratory on some of the history behind a certain product and maybe some of the controversies around uh, using it, around uh, developing it, and how it evolved. So at least that's the plan right now. And I think it's kind of exciting to be able to see you make something from scratch, but then also come over to the podcast and talk more generally about how did this thing evolve? How has it developed? And what kind of impact does it have on our lives? Yeah. And I think that's a very kind of exciting aspect to kind of add this deeper discussion into it. Because so often I, I touch on a topic, but there's like so much more that you can go into. And it's kind of nice that we now have the podcast and we can use that to dig in even deeper. And we can also double up on research and help each other out. So in preparation for building your clock, I actually think uh, researching the calendar was a brilliant idea because it does seem like there's a lot of correlation between the calendar and timekeeping in general. Yeah, I mean, they're both divisions of the concept of time. It's just starting from a wider scope, then narrowing yourself in further. And I think the, the calendar does affect um, some of the earlier timekeeping methods, such as the, the sundial. As the season changes, your clock is going to vary based on the position of the sun, depending on where you're at in the world. It all fits together in how we arbitrarily divide and measure this thing we call time. But lucky for me, you volunteered to do the history portion, so I'm going to toss it over to you now. One new series this year I'm looking forward to starting is entering the world of timekeeping and clockmaking. But before I start breaking down the day into miserable units of hours and minutes, I want to take a look at how we break down larger units of time using a different instrument, the calendar. Many early timekeeping methods were dependent on knowing the day of the year first, such as measuring the time at night using an astrolabe. Through history, calendars have been made in sync to a few different easily visible and measurable cycles. The cycle of the Earth around the Sun, which corresponds to the seasons. The cycle of the Moon around the Earth, which corresponds to the visible phases of the Moon. And the rotation of the Earth, which corresponds to the night and day cycle. And most calendars use a combination of these cycles to measure large durations of time. However, the big challenge is that none of these actually match up exactly. A lunar month is composed of roughly 29.53 days but fluctuates from month to month in its exact amount. A solar year is composed of 365.24217 days and over 12.36 lunar months. The Islamic calendar uses a strictly lunar calendar and measures each month starting from the first visible crescent phase of the moon after each new moon. Since the phases of the lunar month don't exactly align within a day, months can vary from 29 to 30 days long, producing a 12-month year that is either 254 or 255 days long. Since it's not based on a solar year, it has no correlation to the seasons of the year and is variably out of sync with solar-based calendars. Most calendars, however, attempt to stay in sync with a solar year, usually with the addition of what are called intercalary days. The Egyptians had a 12-month calendar, each with 30 days, and then an extra 5 days at the end. The Aztecs used 18 periods of 20 days, also with an extra 5 days at the end. Some calendars, like the Hebrew calendar, attempt to align the lunar and solar cycles by inserting a 13th month every second or third year. The modern Gregorian calendar uses an irregular number of days per month, which totals 365, and attempts to account for the uneven length of the solar year by inserting of an extra day every leap year, which occurs every year that is exactly divisible by 4, except for years that are exactly divisible by 100, unless they are exactly divisible by 400. Super simple. But even then, this modern calendar is still 26 seconds off each year. And by the year 4909, it will be off by one whole day. The length of a week, when the cycle of a year begins, and when the number of the year starts counting from, 
all vary from one cultural system to another and have changed throughout the years and tend to be more or less arbitrary. Thanks, Andy. We'll be right back after this brief ad break. So as Andy mentioned, ancient civilizations based their timekeeping on the spinning of the Earth, the moon spinning around the Earth, or the Earth spinning around the sun. But while one source of timekeeping worked for isolated societies, the more people spread out across the globe meant that more than one system had to be used to better track the passage of time, no matter where you were on the globe. But this combination created a new problem, a math problem. The calendar we use today started with the Romans, who combined the lunar and the solar calendars to make what is called a lunar solar calendar. It worked fine, but basically had uncategorized days during what is now January and February. Let's pick up here with the help of Joe Scott, a fellow YouTuber who recently did a video covering the calendar on his channel. Hey, Joe. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, hi. Um, so, yeah, my name is Joe Scott. I have a channel on YouTube. It's called Answers with Joe. Actually, the channel itself is just called Joe Scott. It's just my name. But the the show that I do is called Answers with Joe. And it's it's sort of a, a science slash humor kind of thing. Business Insider said it's a comedy channel that gets way existential. So tell me, why did you get interested in the calendar in the first place? Well, it was the, it was the new year. I, I post every Monday. December 31st was a Monday. So I was like, well, you know, new year might be a good topic. And I started thinking, you know, why is the new year the new year? Why does the calendar work the way it does? So yeah, that was kind of the, the, the starting point. And then I started looking into it. And this was one of those topics that and this happens every once in a while. I think it's like, oh, I'm mildly interested in it. And then I start researching it. And it's like, wow, this is actually really fascinating. Because it's 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 not just a, a cool history lesson, so to speak, but it's it also kind of teaches you why things are the way they are now. You know, you learn more about our current situation by looking into the past. And did you realize it was the rabbit hole that it was before you got into it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was honestly I was more intimidated by the math involved because it's not very straightforward, you know, and I didn't really I never really understood leap years and I really understood the uh, Gregorian calendar and how it kind of got this way. The more I looked into it though, it was like, "Oh, okay, this makes sense. I get it now." So you did I think you did a great job of kind of compressing it down and explaining it, and which is partly why I'm calling you because I think it would be helpful for me to uh, to kind of look to you to help uh, put some of this into perspective. I wanted to jump forward to the Julian and Gregorian calendar with you since that was what you spent most of your time researching. Also, you did a good job, I think, of explaining the difference between like some of the science behind it. So my first question is, the calendar is ruled by the motion of the moon, the sun, and the stars, right? Yeah. Can you explain a little more about that? Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of start off my video with something that was a bit of a, a light bulb moment for me, which is that, um, you know, we think of calendars as being something that measures time, and it's really something that measures cycles. It measures cycles of the Earth rotating on its axis, the moon revolving around the Earth, and then the Earth revolving around the sun. And those things don't really always line up very easily. We were able to break down our day into 24 hours, four quarters of six hours each. So, you know, the sun might rise. And of course, it depends on where you are latitude wise and seasonal and that kind of thing. But in general, the sun will rise six hours later. It's overhead at noon, six hours later, it's setting and six hours after that, it's midnight. And then the cycle continues. 
Again, I don't know why they, they, they went with 24 exactly, but that's what they did, and there we are. That is the solar day. That is 24 hours from the sun being directly overhead at noon, right? But there's also a stellar day, and stellar meaning obviously the, the stars, not the sun. As the Earth is rotating, it's also revolving around the sun. So in 24 hours, it has moved a little bit in its position in orbit. And that's why you see the stars kind of move in position in the sky throughout the year is because it's, it's moving in position around the sun. And back in the day when they kind of set the whole zodiac signs, they did it by which constellation was behind the sun in that particular um, time of the year. They don't line up anymore, but that's the way they set it up back in the day. Excellent. Okay, now that we've talked about the day, we also have the lunar year and the solar year. Can you talk about that? Earlier calendars way back in the day were usually on more of a lunar cycle. It's funny, I actually covered this in, in, a, in a video after the calendar video that was about how uh, before we had external exterior lighting and, you know, nighttime lighting, street lighting and whatnot, people actually scheduled things around the full moon because that was when there was more light out and you could actually travel at night. You know, they would schedule social functions and, you know, any kind of overnight travel over full moons. So the, the cycle of the moon used to be a very big part of society, a really big part of people's lives. Not so much anymore. It's just something you kind of notice when you go outside and maybe on a super moon or a blood moon, you know, you hear about it, but otherwise it's just, hey, look at the moon. But back then it really did determine like when things were scheduled, uh, how things were done, and especially with uh, agriculture. They, they did that mostly by the moon. It was only later that they started to realize that those lunar cycles didn't line up with the seasons very well. They started to decide, hey, I guess we need to actually make, uh, you know, understand this orbital thing and plan things more uh, around the solar cal calendar. So then they became more solar. The, the sort of interpolation, for lack of a better word, that we've kind of settled on now, they call it lunisolar calendar because it, it uses both of those in, in the same calendar. So then now we jump forward to the Romans, who were working on a lunar calendar, but then it was Julius Caesar and his relationship with Cleopatra that basically kind of gave us the kind of calendar that we have today. Mm -hmm. Do you want to take it away from there? This is how I understood it. Um, there's a couple of different things about the early Roman calendars. Uh, there were actually two different ones, as I as I understand. An earlier Roman calendar, and these were called the, the calendar of Romulus, and they counted the years from the year that Rome was founded. But the calendar of Romulus, it's interesting because the first four months were named after gods, and then they just started counting months. And it was a 10-month calendar. March was the first month. It was called Mensis Martius, and it was named after Mars, the god of war. April was named after Aphrodite, I believe, although I, somebody told me I was wrong about that in, my, in the comments of my video. But, uh, May was named after uh, Maius, the goddess Maius. June was named after the god Juno. Uh -huh. Anyway, but the, the months after that were uh, Quintilis, Sextilis, September, October, November, December, just like we have now. That made sense because September and October, November, December correlate with 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th months. But following that, they had, this This fascinated me, they had a 50-day, an unstructured winter period. That's right. Something like that. Yeah. So they just had like 50 days of uh, whatever, <laughs> you know? Right. I guess it's cold right now. Right. Um, and then later they uh, corrected for that and they created January and February in that 50 day period, which is why February is so short. And they put that at the beginning of the, the calendar and that shifted everything down. I believe with the Julian calendar, they introduced the idea of the leap year, but it still got out of whack 
after a long period of time. It actually takes the Earth 365 days, 5 hours, 48 minutes, and 46 seconds exactly to orbit the sun. The 5 hours, 48 uh, minutes, it's, you know, that's pretty close to 6 hours. And as I mentioned earlier, our day is constructed of four quarters of six hours each. So what they basically did was they decided to just drop those six hours at the end of every year. And then every four years, that would equal 24 hours. So they would just add an extra day. And that kind of kept things pretty close in line. And that's what they did with the Julian calendar. Uh Now, there's still the issue of another extra 11 minutes and 14 seconds that's left over from that five hours and 48 minutes. Right. And so that adds up over time. So over like hundreds of years, they started to get a little bit out of whack. And that's where Pope Gregory came in and adjusted things a little bit more by making it so that every 100 years, they drop the leap year unless it's divisible by 400. We had the leap year in the year 2000 because it is divisible by 400. So in the year 2100, we won't have the leap year. Does that make sense? I'll take you at your word for that. Yes. <laughs> That's where it starts to get really confusing. That was one of the, the main things that the Gregorian calendar added to the to the Julian calendar. But they also, I think they had to adjust by 10 days because they wanted to make sure, this goes back to religion again, they wanted to make sure that Easter fell right after the um, spring equinox. And Easter was always a much bigger holiday than Christmas. Christmas just kind of happened when it happened. But, you know, Easter was like, the death and resurrection of Jesus. That was like the main point of Christianity. So that's what everything kind of revolved around. The date that we now recognize as say year zero or year one and had started counting from there, that was set by a monk named Dionysius Exegus in I believe the year uh, 525, but it's that's 525 by our years. But at the time they were going by the Roman year. So it was the Roman year 1278. He was able to determine, and I don't know exactly how he did this, and in fact, I don't think there's a consensus on exactly how he got there, but he figured that it happened, that Jesus was born in the Roman year of 753. Oh. So he started the calendar over at that point, and it became uh, Catholic canon. And um, so everybody everybody went to bed one night in 1278 and woke up the next day being told it was 525. That's pretty amazing. That's quite a jump. Yeah. We'll get back to Joe in a bit, but I also wanted to find out what a mathematician thought of this system we have. So I reached out to Arthur Benjamin, math professor at Harvey Mudd College and a mathematician. I'll let him explain. Hi, my name is Arthur Benjamin. I'm a professor of mathematics at Harvey Mudd College in Claremont, California. And I'm also a mathematician, which means I combine my loves of mathematics and magic to do interesting things. Uh, Brian, if you're willing uh, to give me your birthday, uh, I'll try and tell you the day of the week that it occurs on. What year, Brian, first of all, what year were you born, if I may? 1972. 1972. And what month? June. June what? 30th. 30th was a Friday. That's amazing. Thank you. Of course, I, I haven't done anything like memorize a whole bunch of calendars. That wouldn't be an efficient thing to do. I'm, I'm actually applying a mathematical procedure, an algorithm for figuring out the, the day of the week. It's based on the fact that your birthday changes by one day each year, normally. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. normally there are 365 days between your birthday, and 364 happens to be a multiple of seven. Seven times 52 is 364. So if every year had 364 days, your birthday would be on the same day of the week every year, and that would be pretty boring. But with 365 days, that caused a one-day shift. And when when you experience a leap year with 366 days between your birthdays, your um, birthday would bump up by two days of the week. That's the basis of the algorithm that I'm using. 
So I guess my question is kind of like, we've put a man on the moon. We you know, are creating artificial intelligence. Why have we not been able to figure out a perfect system of the calendar? Yeah, I guess just because it's been so universally adopted. Look at how much we had to turn ourselves inside out when uh, Y2K was coming. Sometimes just the way, if things have been established a certain way for a long time, you're kind of stuck with it. I think of the QWERTY keyboard uh, with as one example. We're, we're probably stuck with that just because everybody uses it, even though if we could redesign it, we would do it differently. If we could redesign our language, you know, the, our name Names for numbers, for example, we would probably do that and not have weird numbers like 12. We would name numbers like the way the Chinese do it. A number like 12 is pronounced 10-2, right? A number like 23 is 2-10-3. Very logical and, and easy to use. You know, we wouldn't have in France to say 97. You say 4 times 20 plus 17. That's just weird. You know? <laughs> Uh, in China, they say nine, ten, seven. We're we're in between that. We say ninety-seven. That's not so bad. Are there any of the other calendars uh, that you feel like are a little more kind of mathematically elegant? I think that there are, and I think some people have thought of very sensible ways of running the years so that things would be much more uniform. You know, you could have thirty days uniformly 91 days in each season, you know, 30, 30, 31. And then you have a big celebratory day at the end. And every now and then you have a second celebratory day at the end. And and you just use that to, um, to make everything work out just right. Uh, that would be nice. I think if we were to move to another planet, we would probably set up a system that way that would be kind of like the like the metric system of, of calendars. I was kind of interested. Do you happen to know, with our digital devices, are they using the same kind of math that you use to kind of predict birthdays, or are they... Do you know what they're using? Yeah, it would be very simple. Within a century, the calendar does repeat every 28 years. So it, it doesn't have to do anything other than the occasional century adjustment. But within a century, uh, and in fact, from the year 1901 to 2099, you know, that'll span all of our lifetimes, every 28 years, the calendar does repeat. In 28 years, the calendar is going to shift 28 times. And in most of those years, it only shifts by one day. But in a quarter of those years, which is exactly seven, we're, we are going to experience seven leap years where it's going to shift an extra day. So altogether, the calendar is going to shift 28 plus seven days. That's 35 days. So you're going to still be on the same day of the week as you were today, which means, say, on January 1st, in 28 years, it's going to start on the same day of the week as January 1st of this year, of 2019. Moreover, since it's 28 years, and that's a multiple of four, 2019 was not a leap year, so 2043 won't be a leap year. So they'll start on the same day of the week, and they won't be leap years. That's why the calendar will still be the same. And when I, cal when I do my calculations for figuring out somebody's birthday, all I'm doing is a, a quick little adjustment to determine kind of how that year started by doing a simple math calculation. And you could do the same calculations um, into the future. So I have an app on my phone that will give the day of the week from any date from 1600 to 10,000. So in a lot of ways, the calendar is a lot more stable 
than I thought. At least the way it, the rules that define it are very simple and easy to e easy to track. I mean, I I know that scientists use these things called leap seconds, and every uh, every year or so, I think there is some sort of a leap second or so that adjusts things just a little bit. Um, because even the, the amount of time that it takes for the Earth to go around the sun, that's not constant, right? That changes over the centuries, too. So even if you made the assumption that it's always going to take 365.243 days to go around the sun, that may not be realistic. That may, I don't know what, and I don't think scientists know what that's going to be like in 100 years or 1,000 years. So that's why I think they make these little leap second adjustments each year just to keep things on track and and nobody really notices that i i think that if anything that's what's going to keep us uh at the right time of day for noon to be at the center of the sky um for the next hundreds or thousands of years i'll give you my favorite piece of calendar trivia okay that shakespeare and cervantes both died on the same date uh i think it was april 23rd 1616 and yet they died 10 days apart. Wow. And I'll spoil the answer now if you want. You can include it if you'd like. The reason is in 1616, Spain and the Catholic countries had switched over to the Gregorian calendar, which took 10 days out of what was the current calendar then. But England, where Shakespeare was from, and England's colonies like the United States had not made that adjustment yet. What was April 23rd in Spain was 10 days ahead of April 23rd in England. And, and it wasn't until I think it was 17... 52 or something that the United States, it wasn't called the United States back then, switched over. And by then there was like an 11 day adjustment. Thanks, Professor Benjamin. We'll have more Simply Complex after the break. So while not mathematically perfect, it sounds like we have the pieces in place to adjust our calendar for the millennia to come. But just like when people spread out around the globe, we might need a new calendar system for the new frontier, space. Here's Joe again. You also did a bit on binary time, is that correct? Uh, yeah, so there's a system called Unix time that was developed for the Unix operating system, computer operating system. And I can't say why exactly they chose to do this, but it basically started just keeping track of seconds starting on January 1st, 1970, when I guess they launched Unix. Some people would propose that that might be an option for, you know, in the future when we're not just living on Earth anymore, when we're spreading out throughout the solar system and elsewhere in the universe. Because what the big question is, you know, we, we have this calendar and this timekeeping system that is tied to the cycles of this planet that we live on. And, uh, you know, when you're living on Mars, that doesn't really mean much to you. <laughs> you know, they can get kind of confusing. And in fact, uh, NASA does have, they count souls is what they call it. S-O-L, not, not S-O-U-L. Souls are the, are the, the Martian days that, you know, like the Curiosity rover and all the landers that are over there, they keep time on that. But the idea was like, this would be almost like a star date system from Star Trek, you know, like something universal, just like everybody could be in sync no matter where you were. And so, I mean, people would propose something like that for far in the future when something like that is necessary. But what I really felt like as I was looking into that was it's, it's great for a computer, but I don't think it's great for a person. I don't think it's great for people. The more I looked into calendars and the more I researched not just the Gregorian calendar, and I, I really didn't get into like the Mayan calendar and the Islamic calendar, the Hebrew calendar. I mean, they, there's 
dozens of them out there, even dozens of them still in use today. They're also reflective of the cultures that created them. Again, it's it's not just keeping time, it's keeping track of cycles. And I, I started off my video by saying, is, is January 1st really something to celebrate or is it just another day? Is it just an arbitrary point in Earth's orbit that we decided we're gonna celebrate, you know? And what I started feeling the more I started looking into it was, you know, January 1st does mean something because we've decided that it means something. You know, uh, when you think of March, you might think of clovers growing in the yard or windy conditions in the air or spring break, whatever. When you think of September, you think of school getting started, the, the trees turning brown. Those things mean something, you know, it, it means something psychologically and emotionally to us. And I think that that carries more meaning and more weight than we realize. And if we got rid of it, I think it would be a very sad world. So my takeaway is that while not perfect, the calendar has withstood the test of time as a timekeeping tool that most of us can all agree on. More importantly, it is a historical reminder of all the societies that have come before us and a connection to this planet that we call home. For now. We go out on this fun rap version of the calendar rhyme, courtesy of the Jack Hartman Kids Music Channel on YouTube. Numbers, numbers, we should remember. From January to December, how many days does each month get? Wrap it in and learn, you'll never forget. 30 days has September, April, June, and November. All the rest have 31, except for February with 28. Now, Whisper Rap. 30 days has September, April, June, and November. All the rest have 31, except for February with 28. Now, Big Rapper. 30 days has Special thanks to Joe Scott and Professor Arthur Benjamin for their help with this episode. You should definitely check out Joe's video on the calendar and Professor Benjamin's TED Talk on Math Magic. You can find links to them on our website at makeeverything.tv. Check in with us next week, where we'll be exploring the promises as well as the perils of plastic. Simply Complex is a co-production between How to Make Everything and Studio 71. Today's episode was produced by me, Brian Stemmler, and Andy George. This show is executive produced by yours truly, and supervising producer is Taylor Lewin, Engineering and music is courtesy of underscoreaudio.com. We'd love to hear from you, so email us at podcast at makeeverything.tv, and we'll see you next time.